The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a game preview edition getting you ready for Chiefs, Broncos, Part two. Very excited to talk about this one. Here to help me talk about this game. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. All the way from Carolina. Matt Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good, but I'm just making sure I do all my preparations and just in case uh the Broncos win and somehow shake up the entire division, like Corland Sutton's telling us. <laughs> does uh, Corland Sutton does Corland Sutton think that they can still win the West? Listen, it's a big shakeup if you go from like third in the division to slightly less third in the division. I think that's what he's aiming for. But uh, also with us, Craig Stout, find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. How are you doing tonight, big guy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I saw a uh, ESPN playoff machine that a Broncos fan had run earlier today that was explaining how they can make the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight and the various scenarios that needed to happen. And guys, it's a very, very long logic train. So... That should tell you where the Broncos are with Cortland Sutton's statements and what their fans are saying there. They should just be grasping onto Drew Locke now and looking forward to next year, but they're still living in the now. So hopefully the Chiefs can them. Hopefully the Chiefs can grasp onto Drew Locke. Uh, Oh yeah, but we'll talk about the defense later. We got to talk about the offense first. We should Uh, flip that around one time, just just for fun. Shake things up like the division. Nope. Rundown <laughs> is locked and loaded. So, uh, three storylines on offense. We'll start with this. Chiefs had some success in the first half against the New England Patriots. Maddie, can they build off that success? Certainly hope so. I think once you get rid of that kind of first drive where the Patriots came out and they looked to really throw off Patrick Mahomes a little bit, just the way they were playing more zone, less man coverage than we've seen all year and we especially saw from the Patriots last year, led to an easy interception for the Patriots from Patrick Mahomes. But after that, the first half offense of the Chiefs looked good. It looked a lot more similar to what we saw last year. There wasn't the huge big shots downfield, the vertical shots, and that's because the Patriots were trying to take it away. But we got some good Andy Reid. We got some more short passes. We got some more passes that were getting into those intermediate areas it seemed like it was a game plan designed to help get some easy throws for Patrick Mahomes to build a little bit of rhythm. And despite the fact that he's bailing out of pockets, the interior offensive line's not playing particularly well, they were able to get some rhythm throws, convert some third downs. They're getting some help. 
that kind of went away in the second half trying to milk the lead. Patrick Mahomes' hand was hurting him a little bit. He couldn't really grip the ball and rip it downfield. So you just kind of want to throw away the second half, but you hope to build on that first half. So that's the first time I think we saw a Chiefs offense that seemed to be executing from the coaches down to the players on a relatively consistent basis. Yeah, I, and we saw the the motion from Tyreek Hill. I, oh, I, I think it was like the second play of the game. We got to see that orbit motion kind of enter its way back into the Chiefs lexicon again. And I started to get a little excited because I, I expected good Andy playbook. Now, you know, there were some extenuating circumstances that we're going to talk about here next. But I do feel like he called a good game plan. Honestly, against the Broncos in the first matchup, I felt like it was a pretty good game plan as well. I It wasn't very deep necessarily out of Patrick Mahomes, but he was 10 for 11 for 76 yards before he went out hurt after this was the game that he went out hurt and Matt Moore finished. But they moved the ball really, really well. They got a touchdown, a field goal, and they were within field goal range before Matt Moore came in. I think that... Andy saw some stuff on tape that he could exploit out of Vic Fangio. I don't think that they really ran it after Matt Moore came in the game. I'm very interested to see if we see maybe the playbook he was planning to use a little more the first time that they played against this team. I I had a tweet saved up in my drafts during that Broncos game. and It was basically something to the effect of Mahomes is Alexing better than Alex ever did. (laughs) <laughs> during the Broncos game because it's true I mean he was kind of just I mean he was just sharp He's taking the easy stuff sharp yeah. on the easy stuff um and and I think you know the, you kind of I think you might see a little bit of that too especially considering uh the hand injury that we are about to talk about uh you know it's been the most popular knee in Kansas City it's been the most popular ankle in Kansas City and now it's the most popular hand in Kansas City Patrick Mahomes his third injury of the season that we know of. A bruised, battered hand. Apparently, it was swollen all week up until yesterday when Mahomes finally was able to grip a football. That's comforting. Uh, it was is very apparent that Mahomes was nursing in hand injury because there was some opportunities that he just flat out missed. And I think it's because he was timid to challenge down the field. Uh, they were just trying to get out of Dodge alive Thank God the defense played the way they did uh, this week uh, against the Patriots. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs balance trying to, you know, have a rhythm, a flow uh, to this offense, you know, get in a good rhythm, do the things that, you know, that they can, they need to do to win a football game. But also with with the in the back of your mind that Patrick Mahomes hand is bruising pretty bad and, and hopefully they can manage that, Matty. And I think, like you said, they Chiefs were trying to get out of Dodge. They had the lead. They were just trying to prolong or shorten the game up so they get out of there as the Chiefs had to throw the ball. You even saw them have a little bit of success until the Travis Kelsey fumble. So they were finding ways to make it work, which is something I don't think you can say they'd done a really good job of the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, this is the fourth, maybe fifth game this year. We've talked about Andy Reid and the coaches just trying to get out of Dodge because they don't like how the game's going, whether it's the wind, whether it's the field, the leg, this, that. There's a lot of games that the Chiefs that we've kind of made excuses that make sense. So maybe not even excuses, but had a reason for why the Chiefs are trying not to play their real offense anymore. 
And it's just and it is a fan and somebody that watches the team, you would like to see them flex their real offense. You would like to get to see the offense show up at some level of consistency. Hopefully Mahomes' hand is good enough to let them do that against the Broncos. Give us another half that just says, hey, we're still here. We're still this top-tier offense, and we don't want to just see them try to get through the game as quickly as possible, running for two yards and nothing else. They definitely have not touched that hand at all this week. Like they're, I'm sure that this is the lightest workload that we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes since you know the knee, the you know the ankle, and all of that. Like they don't probably want him throwing too terribly much this week. I imagine that they are protecting that and shielding it as much as possible. One thing, just tagging on to Maddie's comment here about how there's. You know, there's always something that's coming up. Guys, it's going to snow. And reportedly, it's going to be a decent amount of snow in Kansas City. We might be talking about the grip of Patrick Mahomes in the snow coming up here. So be On prepared. On a shaky leg that he's still recovering from. And that's going to make yeah, the be, field lose. Be prepared. And there's a slight breeze. Come. So we can already just chalk this game out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Andy Reid might come out of this game saying, yeah, the hand was bothering him a little bit, plus it was cold, so it was really tough for him to grip the ball, which is true. I'm not trying to say that it's not an excuse. Very well might be a reason behind it, but there's yet another thing that could be going on this weekend. All the adversity. All of it. All of the God, adversity. How did, how did oh, the battle make it through all this adversity? I don't know. What will they ever do? Third storyline is something that is, you know, finally starting to make its rounds around there, around here uh, in Kansas <laughs> City, and that's the pocket management of Patrick Mahomes. If you've been listening to this show for the last three weeks or so, you've probably heard us discussing it. Um, I know it's 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 something that's valid with what you're seeing with Patrick Mahomes. It's inconsistencies in the drop, inconsistencies navigating the pocket, when to step up, when to bail out, when to back up, all that kind of stuff. He's just there's there's a lot of inconsistencies in what you're seeing. I think you kind of saw I think you kind of started to see it before, you know, I think you kind of started to see a little bit of uh I don't want to call it lazy, but I think you kind of started to see his drops being a little inconsistent and and some of his footwork stepping into throws. Uh, before you really saw some of these more egregious mistakes navigating the pocket. And I think it's kind of been a slow burn into this. And, you know, it's something that it sounds like Mahomes is very cognizant of because they're being outward facing about it. They're being public about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing, you know, him admit that he's been a little bit off and he's starting to, you know, fall off of his mechanics a little bit in the back end of the season. And I'm sure a lot of these injuries and a lot of things that he's dealing with don't help because, you know, you're thinking about other things and, you know, I mechanical breakdowns and those kind of things happen when you're tired or when you're you're dealing with some pain and stuff like that. So I think that's that might be part of what you're seeing. But you know, Mahomes has got to be a little bit more consistent today or the, this week. He's got to be more consistent this week. He's got to be more consistent moving forward. It could alleviate some of the problems that they've experienced to this point offensively. Because, like, I, I, you know, we talk about the offense, and they have a lot of issues, but it's not like it's just play for play for play for, for play for play for play that it's just, it's just egregious and bad offense and bad play calling and all that stuff. There's always, like, you know, there's a couple good plays. string They just haven't been able to string things together. And, and some consistency with some of the mechanics and stuff and, and some of the drops and all that kind of thing with Mahomes 
really could help them string together more plays, uh, more consistent drives. Now I want to really focus on that for a second because I was talking a little bit negatively and being kind of out there with all the reasons for Mahomes or the Chiefs often struggles. And while I do think they're getting played up a little bit much and it's probably more likely that the Chiefs just simply aren't playing as good of football as they have last year. And I think that's the bigger reason rather than the leg, the wind, the dirt, so on and so forth. It's not like the offense is bad. Mm-mm. This is still a very good offense. This offense is still a top five-ish offense in the NFL. It just, like Ken said, lacks consistency, and it seems to lack rhythm, especially from drive to drive. A big part of that is how Patrick Mahomes is handling the pocket, and it's not all his fault. This interior offensive line is not good. It has not been good all year. There's been a few other guy, or few guys shuffled in and out that weren't starters. They don't have a lot of continuity together, and even in plays where they do, they are simply not good. LDT, not good. Not good at all. Been saying it for a couple weeks now. He is not playing well. Andrew Wiley took a step back from last year. Austin Ryder is just not good enough at center to help cover for both of those guys or even one of those guys. He's just kind of there, a placeholder. So you don't have a good interior offensive line. You get a quarterback that's taken a lot of hits this year, that's been under pressure. He's panicking a little bit. He's getting out of the pocket. He's getting the ball, throwing it off platform. He needs to trust them. He's admitted it, and it's not something that's going to fix overnight. They just got to slowly start working on that, working on keeping him a little bit more in the pocket, help those tackles out a little bit because you're starting to see even Fisher, Schwartz give up a few more what look to be pressures as Patrick Mahomes tries to retreat over a pocket that's either collapsing or not. We're not even getting to see it. So you just hope to see improvement on that this week. I think it got a little better last week, but everyone can point to a couple big issues. The Tyreek Hill in the end zone, there was another one early in the game on, I think, a deeper pass to Travis Kelsey where he was moving when he didn't need to be moving out of the pocket. But it looks like it's getting a little better. You just want to keep seeing that continue as the season goes on. Yeah, he knows it. He he said it basically unprompted this week. Like, they, they asked him, you know, yeah, no, the, the offense is still scoring and kind of moving the ball, but... You know, it's not as efficient as we've we've grown accustomed to it being. And he just unprompted said, you know, that's on me, which isn't Andy Reidism, but then went into why. You know, discussed how, you know, old habits die hard. You know, he ends up throwing off of his back foot just because, you know, that's kind of a breakdown of mechanics. He's not doing the little stuff right. He admitted to all that, went into all of that, and then went forward to say that he trusts his interior offensive line, which... No, definitely not. <laughs> he doesn't. You you watch him play football. He definitely doesn't. And yeah, it's because of Ryder, Wiley, and then LDT, who apparently the entire internet caught up this week and finally like focused on the interior offensive line and went, oh wow, he's he's been bad, you know. So we we got to kind of see a culmination of all of that, all of those issues compounded. The Broncos are going to try and take advantage of that. Vic Fangio is going to really try and focus on bringing the heat in the interior especially. So they've got to be much better this week. Okay, let's go with players to watch. Craig. Well, my player to watch this week is going to be Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware got a lot more run than I think that they were expecting. Eric Bieniemy said that they they got they weren't expecting him to get that kind of workload. And that he just kind of kept coming to the sideline and saying, no, I'm good. I feel healthy. I'm ready to go. And 
they spoke to Darwin Thompson this week as well and talked about pass protection and the game speeding up slowly for him. I think that we're going to see plenty of Spencer Ware this week still, even with Damian Williams' return. So I would expect him to rotate in a little bit. He just might have a little bit fresher legs than some of these guys. He hasn't been through a season-long you know, kind of workload. And so they trust him enough to put him out there, help protect Patrick Mahomes. I expect that we're going to see a little bit more Spencer Ware this week. My guy to watch is going to be Tyree Kill. I think we talked about it a little bit at the beginning here. Craig did. Tyree Kill, they started using him in motion a little bit more. That's a good way to kind of identify the coverage, but also get Hill on the move, make it harder for teams to send extra attention at him, make things open up a little bit easier. I don't. I like Vic Fangio as a defensive coach. He's just not on Bill Belichick's level. They are not going to be able to contain Tyreek Hill as well as the Patriots did on those underneath passes. Since Hill's come back, he hasn't connected on one of those deep bombs from Patrick Mahomes. I think they're going to find ways to get him in space underneath. They're going to find ways to attack vertically. I'm interested to see if the Broncos are going to play a lot of zone coverage like they normally do or if they're going to stick mostly to man coverage like they have in the past against the Chiefs because Tyreek Hill, I mean, we've seen Tyreek Hill beat Chris Harris before. I imagine the same thing would happen if Chris Harris Jr. has to run all across the field in man coverage again as long as Patrick Mahomes has the time to get the ball to him. My guy is Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Uh, he's a guy, you know... I. I, I, uh, I posted something earlier this week talking about potential cut candidates. I think LDT is a potential cut candidate. He has played in 60% of the games that he's been eligible for since signing his extension, and he hasn't been particularly good. I think I, I'm, I think he's kind of playing for his job the, the back half of this back stretch of this season. And you know, if, if you have questions about LDT, I think just watch just try to watch him a little bit today or on on Sunday and just see what what you get out of him and and see if if you think that he's playing to a level that that has earned him nine million dollars next season he's going to be one of the more fascinating cases for this team to kind of navigate through when it comes to their roster decisions because they can save five million dollars against the cap by releasing him we're gonna take a break and we will be back right after this support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's talk about the defensive side of the football. Uh, the strongest side of the ball. Yes. For this Kansas City Chiefs defensive football team. team. <laughs> it's a defensive team now, obviously. Um, and I think we got to start with Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke is uh, is making, I believe, his third start of these of his career. Uh, local kid. It's going to be a really cool story. Uh, I, I, you know, I I'm sure it's going to mean a lot to Drew Locke, but hopefully it doesn't mean a win. Craig, what have you seen from Drew Locke so far? Uh, we all kind of got to see Drew Locke at the Senior Bowl last year, and Missouri fans are very familiar with him. He's got arm talent. He's got mobility. He's got the ability to. You know, make make the throws that they're asking him to do. They have not given him layups in his two games back. It's not like they're making things easy on him. He's throwing a lot of contested balls, throwing into windows. They're going downfield regularly, and they're running a lot of two-back pistol all of a sudden and running read option, throwing deep throws out of it. Like, this is a completely different offense than the one that we saw the Chiefs play earlier this season. Joe Flacco stood in the pocket as a statue. Drew Locke is not necessarily a great diagnoser of pressure, blitzes, and things like that, which can come into play as far as the rush plan and everything like that for Spagnolo. but he is a lot more mobile. He can get outside the pocket, he can avoid pressure, and he can make throws down the field. That's going to give the Chiefs a little bit more fits. I think running this two-back pistol is going to give the Chiefs a lot more looks that they have to take it, or, you know, keep accounting for, and they also run a lot of heavy personnel. Philip Lindsay has been the biggest benefactor for Drew Locke being there because they've been able to keep that extra safety out of the box, force guys deeper, and you know this this read option has really opened things up for him, and that's because Locke is so good at running it thus far. The thing with Drew Locke is he will look over easy stuff to try to fit a ball downfield into a tight window. He's turned out to make some highlight throws doing so. He's also made some very ugly passes already in his young NFL career that I think have been glossed over a little bit. Some of his really poor decisions and really poor throws have got glossed over just because he has a lot of highlight throws. They've been winning. He's His stat line hasn't looked terrible. He's made some really good highlights. So people have kind of glossed over some ugly interceptions and ugly throws. I think the way the Chiefs defense is playing right now, the way Steve Spagnuolo has been dialing stuff up lately, I think this is a game where the NFL is going to catch up to Drew Locke a little bit. They're gonna, he's going to see a lot of different looks. He's going to see a lot of different pressure. I think you're going to see some plays where the Chiefs show pressure, drop a lot of guys in coverage, and they really challenge Drew Locke's mental acuity here if he's ready for it. And I expect him to see look like a rookie quarterback that fell out of the first round this week. So with Drew Locke, when you're when we were evaluating him back during draft season, it's he he's a very very polarizing game to game. So you know some games you would see throw to throw. Something, 
you'd see some things and be really impressed by what you know you were seeing, and you'd think this guy. I understand why people would want to take a chance on him. And then you would just see some games, and it was just it was really bad, and it, it was a lot of you know not handling pressure well and, and trying to throw balls off your back foot and make hero ball plays. And um, there's a lot of that to his game where. You know, there's some inconsistencies that you know. If, if you're getting a bad Drew Lock game, you're 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 in good shape. Yeah. Uh, I do think uh, it, I I think a lot of it fell on the mental side. If he wasn't seeing things clear, he would get a little bit rattled back there. Um, if he was facing pressure, it wasn't always pretty. He wasn't finding his outlets. Uh, so there's I think there's some inconsistencies there that you can attack and. I, I do agree. I think it's just going to be trying to trying to mess with him on the mental side of things, whether it's, you know, mixing looks up, uh, showing pressure, bailing out, um, I, maybe trying to bring some, you know, some some blitzes from your secondary players. I think some of those kind of things, you know, just make him make him think through the game. And, and you should have some success, I think. And I think Steve Spagnuolo and this team is more than up for it. I think they continue to build off what they've been doing. Uh, and one of the things that you know they can do is is affect the passer. And last time the Chiefs played this football <laughs> team was one of the more enjoyable defensive performances we've had all season. Obviously, it was uh, there was there's something there's a, a cloud uh, hang, hanging over the entire game that was Patrick Mahomes' kneecap. But I mean the defense they got after Joe Flacco. Craig, can they repeat that performance again? I don't think that they're going to end up with nine sacks <laughs> again this week. Bummer. That's insanity. But, yes, they can. Kent, Kent and Matt both alluded to it there. He does not handle pressure well. Drew Locke likes to lock on to a guy, particularly downfield. He will stare somebody down and he'll lock onto it downfield he doesn't move through his progressions particularly well and when the pressure comes he'll throw it anyway he's not going to sit there and eat a sack he's going to trust his arm to fit it into a window that maybe's not there the the interception he threw against the texans with a safety rotating early 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 towards the receiver and a corner undercutting the receiver he threw it anyway safety jumps it easiest pick in the world for that safety it's just he makes a lot of questionable decisions because that pressure was in his face and so he just tried to uncork it anyway rather than eating the sack living to see another day i expect that the Chiefs pass rush is going to be able to dial some stuff up spagnola is going to bring some blitzes and things like that to really bring the right kind of pressure the question mark is frank clark if we're going to see him this week he's got a stomach issue of some kind that won't go away enough for them to have to bring him to a specialist clark needs to show up clark needs to be there because i feel like he wrecked that game against denver he can wreck it again and if we get the alex okafor that we got against new england it's going to be a very very long day for drew lock so here's the thing about the Denver Broncos offensive line. Garrett Bowles is really, really bad at football, and he <laughs> may not be their worst offensive lineman. So yet the pass rush should still be pretty good this week. I don't think you're going to get a repeat of nine sacks. Joe Flacco simply cannot move his feet. I, I think once he drops back, they get stuck in the ground. His cleats might be like four inches long or something. I'm not sure, but he doesn't move. Drew Locke will move. He will fade back, and he will throw a ball off his back foot with absolutely no momentum in it. And he will do that time and time again to try to get away from pressure. 
he's able to escape some sacks and there's probably going to be some pressures that he gets away from or gets a throw off. He is a little gutsy. He can sit in there sometimes and throw it, but for the most part, he's going to shy away from getting hit. He's going to rush throws and he's still going to try to squeeze them in there. You just got to put pressure on lock and you're going to get good results. Even if they aren't sacks, I think that he gets away from more sacks than Flacco did, but the chiefs pass rush is going to be a problem. And I don't think it's just going to be your defensive lineman, but the way they've been blitzing their safeties, their linebackers, and as much success as they had against the Broncos the last time, I would expect to see plenty of that again. I think it's still going to very much be a story. You just probably won't see, you know, nine sacks pop up on the stat sheet at the end of the game. Yeah, it won't be nine sacks, but I think the pressure can still do the same kind of job that you saw. I think there's, there, you know, I, I, I don't think Drew Locke has seen enough in this league to you know be able to 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 make enough decisions under pressure and if they can put more pressure on him they're going to be just fine uh Cortland Sutton is beyond besides guaranteeing a victory uh against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead with a rookie quarterback against a team that is finally starting to play uh better especially defensively um besides guaranteeing those victories he's playing good football uh, his sophomore year has really he's really come on strong having a really strong uh, strong season uh, and, and he presents some problems he's a very good football player Matty Corlin Sutton's like the opposite of Garrett Bowles as in like he's good at football <laughs> and not really really bad at football and with his size and he's he's not the most technical route runner but he understands how to use his size his a little bit of acceleration that he has to get positioning and he's really good at attacking the ball in the air I think if Drew Locke is willing to just test the Chiefs' corners, which he most likely will be, if Drew Locke can handle the pressure the Chiefs put on him, Cortland Sutton's going to get some 50-50 opportunities. He's going to get some chances to make plays over Charvarius Ward, Rashad Breland, Morris Claiborne. They're gonna, they should be able to attack him. His size, his abilities at the catch point are going to be a problem. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out of their way to add specific extra help to Cortland Sutton like they did Julian Edelman think on the outside he's going to be isolated plenty of times and if the Chiefs can't figure out a way to stop him that could make the game a little bit closer than it needs to be he's just been playing that good of football you just kind of have to rely on your cornerbacks who've been playing better to make a couple plays just make it look less appealing to keep throwing up 50-50 balls to Cortland Sutton as the game goes on the way that the Broncos use Cortland Sutton he's a very good player but they a lot of times will go 13 personnel and have Cortland Sutton be the only dude on the outside and I want to read you guys do do you guys happen to know who the other Denver Broncos wide receivers are because Emmanuel Sanders was the other guy opposite of him the first matchup and got plenty of targets do you guys know any of the other Denver Broncos receivers Jawan Winfrey Deshaun Hamilton. Let's say Deshaun Hamilton. Tim Patrick. Yes, actually. Three. Deontay Spencer and Fred Brown are the other two. I didn't know those two. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I felt not, good about where I was at. Yeah, you no, that's, that's actually really good. Thank you. I, that's you turned not it around murderer's... right on Craig's head. Yeah. <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> that's not a murderer's row of wide receivers, though. Like, they are not going to no, use it's a, it's a, a murderer's of row receivers. of accountants. Those yeah. <laughs> those are all those are almost all accountant names. It's gonna be a lot of Noah Fant. It's gonna be a lot of Jeff Huerman, Troy Fumagalli, 
Andrew Beck, their fullback, has been a lot more integrated lately, too. I, but Cortland Sutton is really the only guy on the outside. Other, you know, they line up Noah Fant out there, but Cortland Sutton's the only guy that they really have to worry about that can do damage in the air on the outside as a wide receiver. And yeah, Drew Locke is going to throw to him just as much as Joe Flacco did. High volume guy. So if he can get on the same page as Drew Locke, he could wreck the game a little bit. Yeah, why don't you talk to Fred Brown in accounts payable? Um, okay, let's go to players to watch. Uh, three players. Craig, who are you watching? Okay, I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'm watching Tyron Matthew. Um, he's the quarterback of the defense. We we said we weren't doing those anymore. Tyron Matthew is going to get a pick this week. I feel very confident in that. I They have used Tyron Matthew really well. He is playing some of the best football that we've seen out of a safety in years. I, I mean, Eric Berry in his prime, fantastic. I'm not saying he's up to that level, but Tyron Matthew is locked in. He's got everybody on the same page. His attitude, the impact that he's having on the game, even though it may not seem like it, like he's not posting the major stats, he's not posting these big picks and everything like that. He is absolutely blanketing guys out of the game, and they're using him as a major weapon. Drew Locke is going to have to diagnose these coverages, try and find open guys because Spagnolo is going to drop these guys into exotic looks to confuse him. He's going to get one. He's going to give one right to Tyron Matthew. I fully expect Matthew to have a big game both on the All-22 and in the box score. Like Craig said, the Broncos will use some 13 personnel. They're going to use a lot of 12 personnel. They're going to get multiple tight ends out there. They're going to have running backs get out in the routes. So I'm looking at the Chiefs' best coverage linebacker pretty closely. And no, not Ben Neiman, not starting weak side linebacker Damian Wilson, not the three-down Mike of Anthony Hitchens, but the Sam Reggie Ragland is going to see a lot more snaps this week than he normally gets with that heavier Broncos personnel. He's obviously going to be relied on in the run game. He was setting a really hard edge against the Patriots. Like He had a phenomenal game, both against the run and the pass. He set a good edge. He did a good job in pursuit when they were letting him be aggressive. But more than anything else, Reggie Ragland understands football and coverage. He might not be an elite athlete, but he understands his coverage responsibilities, and he works through his progressions and his keys real fast. You want to try to hit the Chiefs in the flats? That's fine. Just don't do it at Reggie Ragland because you can ask James White how that goes. You, you take a pretty good lick because he's closing on you fast. Reggie Ragland's made splash plays in his tenure with the Chiefs in coverage, and I know we don't think of him as a coverage linebacker, but he's made some really nice plays. I like that they're going to be forced to put him on the field in this game a little bit more because I think he really can have an impact. Craig, it's wild that Tyron Matthews getting an interception this week. So is Reggie. Well, I think we're going to have to sweep it because it's crazy because Juan Thornhill's getting an interception this week too. Oh, I thought Frank was getting another one. No, maybe. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Uh Juan Thornhill, I, I think he's really coming along uh, week to week. I think you're seeing him getting a little bit better. I think the communication, you know, as you saw the last time these, this team was at home, um, you saw him make a big play. I think he gets another big play against an AFC West, West opponent. Um, you know, <laughs> 2018 wasn't a great year for Brett Veach, but 2019's looked pretty good for him. Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, 
quiet the haters. Juan Thornhill, like all these guys. I, I, I really like what I'm seeing with this group. Juan Thornhill, uh, I'm expecting to have an interception this week too. Let's go to the predictions. Craig? Well, apparently I need to adjust this since Drew Locke's throwing 18 interceptions. On Sunday just three. It's just three. <laughs> it's as good as eighteen. Uh, Two of I them are in the this... red zone. It's crazy. <laughs> Reddy's is returning his for a seventy-five yard pick six. So. Oh, you guys have no idea the kind of backflips that I'm going to be doing. I, I'm censoring that, making making that family friendly. There, can we uh, can we call Reggie Big Sexy? Can we just I mean, a motion to call him Big Sexy moving forward? What do you mean we? I I have been. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, so predictions for the game. I I do think that this is going to stay a little close early. I think the Broncos are going to pull out all the stops, try and pull out a bunch of misdirection, get Philip Lindsay into space. I think that this game is maybe like a 14-10 game midway through the second quarter, and then Spagnola makes the adjustments. The offense continues to click. I, I've got this as a 35-20 game with the other 10 of those points coming in garbage time for the Broncos. But I do think that there will be the start of this game. It's going to be a big feeling out period with a new offense. And then eventually this defense will take over, give the ball back to the offense, and allow them to put some points on the board. I think the Broncos are going to come in. They're going to give the Chiefs their all. You've already seen it. they got a little bit of chippiness now that they've got a new quarterback. They're playing well. They're feeling themselves a little bit. They've been talking this week going up to the game. They're feeling it. Drew Locke's coming home, so on and so forth. I don't think the Chiefs are going to get complacent after this Patriots game. I don't think that's the type of leaders they now have in the locker room. I think they're still going to be plenty hungry. They're going to want it just as bad. And like we've been talking about this whole time, I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to put a lot at Drew Locke. He's going to give him a lot to look. He's going to give him a lot more to look at than the Chargers or the Texans did. He's going to make him really work for it. And I think it's going to be evident from the get-go. I think the Chiefs jump out to a solid early lead. You see them throw the offense in neutral like they like to do in the second half, kind of coast to a double-digit victory. Chiefs 27, Broncos 13, 18 picks, Reggie pick six. We've called it all already. But just not close this week. Chiefs are going to dominate the Broncos like they have in the past. So the Chiefs are going to start hot. Uh, they're going to score two touchdowns early. It's going to be fourteen to nothing uh, after a Juan Thornhill pick six. Two pick sixes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The the offense the 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 offense is going to score another another two touchdowns later in the game. But the, they're not going to score in the entire fourth quarter. Uh, and the Broncos are going to get a garbage time. It's garbage time touchdown. 28-17. Kansas City Chiefs get their 10th win of the season. All right, that's going to do it for the game preview episode uh, this week for the AP Laboratory. We will be back later to uh, next week to uh, do a mailbag following this game. Catch you later.